Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our Berean Bible Church podcast. This is our second message in the Investigating Jesus series. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Berean. So glad to have you this morning. And as we continue investigating Jesus, what wonderful worship and music we had this morning at each one of our campuses. Great job to each one of the music teams. And I just want you to welcome with me those joining us on simulcast at Bainbridge and Cincy and joining us online. We're so glad all of you are with us this morning. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series, Investigating Jesus. Uh, but before that, uh, I, I get to help with an announcement. Actually, Rick was planning on speaking this morning. Uh, my name's Ron. I'm the uh, campus director at Green. And, uh, and so I'm going to help Rick out. So I'm Rick for the day. I'm pinch hitting. Uh, but, uh, but he had an exciting announcement to make in the progress of our Front Street campus. Uh, we've been making steps toward opening a campus in Binghamton on Front Street, and they hit a snag a few months ago, uh, a snag in the zoning process. The, on Front Street was not zoned for the operation of a church. So it kind of hit that snag, and we received recently the approval from the town to be able to operate a church on Upper Front Street. So that's a praise. Awesome. But in the middle of the present circumstances and things that we've been working through, uh, the elders decided they would like to spend a two-week period in just focused prayer, seeking God's direct uh, direction in this process on the new campus, on the, uh, the time period to open, what would be wise. And so they've gone to the Lord in prayer. And they've been praying throughout this past week. They're right in the middle of that two-week period, and they're asking us as a church to pray with them and to, uh, to have a day of prayer and fasting tomorrow. It's in the center of that period, and we really want to see God's direct uh, direction in that process. James chapter 1 uh, verse 5 says that if any need wisdom, to come and ask, and that God would give them wisdom, and to come in, in a spirit of, of, uh, of faith, not in doubting. And so our desire is to step forward in faith, but to do so as, as wise stewards, and to do so in the direction of God. And we're asking that you would join with us and that our whole church would be in prayer tomorrow, focused on uh, on this Front Street campus and seeking God's face in that process. And then continue in prayer as, as the uh, elders and leadership team of that campus continue to pray, uh, seeking that direction throughout this coming week. Would you join us in that process? As we, uh, as we jump in, kind of dive back into investigating Jesus, we're going to continue in, in chapter 1. But I want to ask you a question. When you have, have you had a chance to meet someone new, and when you met them, you made an initial judgment, maybe about who you thought they were, maybe about what you thought they were good at, uh, maybe a judgment about their character, uh, maybe it was based on something you heard in the past or that you saw in them at that moment, and then you found out later as you got to know the person that the judgment might not have been quite accurate. Anybody have, have that experience? Well, we don't judge people. I know there's a few hands. Yeah, I think we've all had that experience, haven't we? Uh, our first impression might not have been the accurate impression. And, and we're going to have a chance here to look at some impressions 
of people who meet Jesus for the first time. I remember as a, as a young boy especially, it bothered me, and, and I've, I've kind of had this experience a number of times over the years, where people would, would meet me for the first time, and their impression of me was centered on my hair. And, and, and I don't have much of it left anymore, but, but it was very dark, bright red when I was young, and so I'd be the red-haired kid, and that's how I was defined, and yet there was so much more to me, and I started to think, even, even to think about myself in, in the relationship to other people's impressions. Maybe you've had that type of experience where someone has, has had an impression on you and you didn't feel it was accurate. Well, we're going to see some initial impressions of Jesus this morning, and then as people get to know Jesus, we get to see how those evaluations change and how they get to know who Jesus really is. And so let's investigate Jesus again. Our first example this morning, uh, back in John chapter 1, is John the Baptist. Uh, So it was mentioned last week, and and we saw that John the Baptist would lead into, would be the forerunner of Jesus. But in that title, uh, don't confuse Baptist with a denomination, because Baptist denomination and all the colors of that are not at all connected to John the Baptist. And don't confuse John with the writer of the book, John, because it's John the disciple is different from John the Baptist. Maybe better to call him John the Baptizer, and we're going to see him as our first example this week. Last week, we saw that John would precede Jesus. He'd be the forerunner, kind of like an MC warms up the crowd, gets people ready for the main act or the main speaker. John was leading into the ministry of Jesus. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had, in, in green, we had power outage, and then we lost the ability to control these lights and make them go up and down. So it was either dark or bright, dark and bright. And we decided that, that uh, going from complete dark in music to completely light was too much input for the eye. And, and I see that with Jesus. As he's coming into the world, he is the light of the world, John chapter 1. John gets to be, John the Baptist gets to be the dimmer switch to bring the light into Jesus. And in, in verse 7, it says that John would bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And, and he, brings, he brings the light up so that when Jesus comes, people are able to accept the light and not back away from it. His ministry was to help people be ready for Jesus, to get ready for the Messiah. And he would bring that in. Uh, Would you turn with me this morning to John chapter 1? We're going to look in verses 19 to the end of the chapter. We get to do the second, second half of this chapter this morning. I'll be on page, uh, five, or, uh, on page 852 in the, uh, in the chair Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love you to take that with you and, uh, and to use it. It's an easy-to-read Bible. It's there for your, for your use. Um, just getting into where we're at in the text. Uh, we're going to see John's impression But who is this John? He's the guy that's in the wilderness. He is proclaiming the way of the Lord. He is uh, he's leading into the ministry of Jesus. He's he's proclaiming this this uh, this ministry of repentance. Uh, He's preparing and he's preparing Israel really to accept the Messiah. And so John gets to be this this uh, forerunner of Jesus. He's not mainstream. So you have John the Baptist wandering in the wilderness with camel's hair, eating locusts, 
and eating honey. He's not like anybody else around. He's the oddball and out of the mainstream. He's also out of the mainstream as far as the religious leaders go. He's not speaking the, the, the party line. He's shaking things up. He values the marginalized. He has a, developed a great following. So as we come into the next section of chapter 1, uh, the, the Pharisees, they send delegation to Jesus, and, or to John, and they're asking, who are you? Who are you? And they ask him, well, are you, are you Moses? And he says, no. Are you Elijah? He says, no. They ask him, are you the Messiah? And, uh, and he says, no. Are you the prophet? He says, no. And so their, their question is, so what authority do you have to baptize? Look at his response in verse 20, 26. Uh, John told them, I baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you don't recognize, though his ministry follows mine. I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. You're, you're all worried about what authority I have to baptize, but this isn't even about me. I kind of picture John saying this. Basically, I just dunk people in water. It's no big deal. What I'm doing is pointing them to the next guy. He's what it's all about. Jesus is what it's all about. And he, he doesn't have the identification all figured out yet, and we're going to see that as we look at the next verses. But he already understands that the man that's coming next, Jesus, is greater than him. And he's not even worthy to be a slave. Jesus is where the focus is at. Uh, John has this idea that, that he's going to decrease, and, and, and Jesus is going to increase. Let's look at verse 29 and continue. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did, long before me. And so it looks like John's initial reaction to Jesus is, He's the Savior. He's the one that takes away the sin of the world. And we have this initial, this initial response to Jesus. Uh, but John's humility comes out in, in chapter or verse 30. John sees Jesus. He sees his character. He sees this is the guy that's supposed to come after me. He's greater than me. And, and John begins to, uh, to unpack who Jesus is. He, he already starts to see that Jesus is bigger than just human. That Jesus is God. And what does he say in that verse? He says, for he existed long before me. Who was born first? John. Who started his ministry first? John. Right. So how did Jesus exist before John? It's Jesus is God. And we see that in the beginning of John chapter 1. God and man in one person. Uh, how do we fathom that and wrap our head around that? Uh, let's get to know Jesus more. But uh, God and man, Jesus is God here for us, Messiah. In verses 31 and on, John kind of gives us his actual first impression. Take a look at, at verse 31. He says, I didn't recognize him as the Messiah. But, but I've been baptizing with water 
so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, he said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't even know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me that the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who you will baptize, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that this is the chosen one. John didn't recognize Jesus at first. What did it take? God identified who Jesus was. He told him ahead, well, the person you see the Spirit descend upon. And when John saw the Spirit descending, ah, that's the guy. That's the one I've been leaning for. That's one, that's one I'm here for. And, and Jesus, is the, he's the guy. He's the Messiah. But John didn't immediately recognize him. John is there to soften the crowd and lead into and help them to be accepting of the Savior. John called for repentance. It was kind of the opener to get people willing to make the decision to say, I am, I am ready to hear the truth. I want to set aside the past, past and I need to repent and turn around from that and I need to seek the Savior. And John, John teaches that and he, he enables people to get ready to receive the Messiah. But Jesus... Jesus is the one that will bring spirit baptism. He's the one that will bring spiritual transformation. John's baptism with water is just simply a decision stated. Jesus makes the real change. And in him, people are transformed. And so John points people to Jesus in verse 34. He says, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So the initial, the initial impression is he just looks like everybody else. He's just one of the crowd. But when God identified him, John knew this is the chosen one. In the ESV, it says he is the son of God. John identifies him as the Messiah. As we continue in the passage, I think the, the rubber meets the road for John. He said, I must decrease and, and Jesus is going to increase. So now... Let's put it to the test. Take a look at verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. There he is. That's the one I've been leading up to. Here's the guy. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. The rubber meets the road. John said, I'm going to decrease. Jesus is going to increase. And here, when he sees Jesus, it's exactly what John does. He says, Jesus, you were actually before me. I actually follow you. My ministry just leads into yours. My, my focus is going to turn to you. My disciples can turn to you. We can follow you. Now it's focused on you. And John points people, points people to Jesus. Take a look at what these disciples do. Verse 38, Jesus, Jesus turns around and he sees these guys kind of tagging along, the two guys that are following him, and, and Jesus, Jesus asked them, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, 
where are you staying? Where are you staying? And I see a lot in that, that question and that answer. Uh, John's disciples have now, they have, they have left the past. They set aside who they were following in John. They've turned now to focus on Jesus. They want to learn from him. They see him as the, the focus point. He's the teacher. And so when he, what do you want? Uh, and they, they, say, they say he's the teacher. So there's their first impression. And, and what did they want? They wanted to know where he was staying. They wanted to be near Jesus. They just wanted to get to know him. They wanted to hang out with him. And what does Jesus say? Come. Come with me. Come stay with me. I want to get to know you. I care about you. And he gave them the invitation. Was Jesus' life busy that day? I don't, I don't know. Probably. Did he have a lot of room for them to hang out? Probably not. Uh, maybe it was hot, maybe, who knows? It was late in the day, maybe Jesus wanted some rest, but he said, come, just come, be with me. Get to know me. And, and these disciples, their whole impression changes. And we'll see that in the next example, verse, 30, verse 40. They are impacted by just hanging out with Jesus. Uh, take a look at what happens. And Jesus says, come and see. And, and he said it was about, the, about four o'clock in the afternoon and they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. He just spent time with them. He got to know them. He, he cared about them and they were impacted by this amazing, life-changing man. God on earth, God in our world, perfect grace and truth in one person right there with them that cared enough about them to spend time with them. And in verse 40, Andrew cannot keep that to himself. One of those disciples, one of those people that followed after, after John and then followed after Jesus, he can't keep Jesus to himself. And so Andrew, and in verse 40, who is Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard John and he said, and, and said, and followed Jesus. Verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon. It's like, I can't keep this to myself. i got to go find Simon. And he found him, and he told him. What did he tell him? Yeah, we found the Messiah, right? He, he didn't say, come, we found an awesome teacher. We found the greatest rabbi ever. And, and that would be true. But his impression now has changed. After spending an afternoon with Jesus and an evening, he now says, we have found the Messiah. And so we see in Andrew this desire that a follower impacted by an amazing man, God himself, brings more followers. He invites more followers. And in John sends Andrew to Jesus. Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. Look at, look at Jesus' impact on Simon. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, 
which means Peter. And we know that word means rock, right? Stone. And and Jesus is looking at him, intently at him, caring at him. And Jesus knows, he knows where Peter's at today. He knows what will happen in the future. He knows Peter will one day walk away and he will bring Peter back. He, he knows this and yet he cares about him and draws him in and says, you're going to be that stone. You're going to be that rock. I care about you. I love you. And, and John, Peter is impacted by Jesus. We see just in this interaction. When we meet new people, we have impressions, don't we? We, we build these impressions. We, we, they're, they're often built on things like externals. What we see on the outside, maybe height, uh, maybe gender, maybe uh, what we know of their past, maybe their reputation. Uh, perhaps in the, the, the gaze they give us, how, what does their face look like? How are they interacting with us? How strong is their handshake? The things that we build our impressions on, sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not. But when we get to know the person, when we spend time with the person, then we, then we build the true evaluation. And, and it's the same with God, isn't it? We, we grow up building impressions. Maybe it's based on our parents. Maybe it's based on uh, religious experience. Maybe it's based on a ritual or a tradition. Maybe how we were brought up. We have these impressions of who God is and how he interacts with people. If we want to really know who God is, what we need is to get to know the true Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do in this series. And, and throughout these interactions, we've already seen some impressions. And I want to I focus on these impressions here in, here in the book of John. Because when, when John the baptizer first sees Jesus, what's his impression? He's just another member of the crowd. He, he doesn't look like he stands out. Jesus isn't asserting his authority. He's not trying to gain glory for himself. He's just one of the crowd. But when God identifies who he truly is, when when John encounters who Jesus really is, his whole impression changes. And John says, look, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus may not have stood out. He wasn't regal. He wasn't wealthy. He didn't fit with the religious elite. He wasn't the guy you'd naturally gravitate toward. And the book of Isaiah leads us to understand that about Jesus. But when John met Jesus, his whole impression changed. When we get to know who Jesus is, when we encounter Jesus, our impressions can change. How about another one that we've seen? John pushed Andrew toward Jesus, didn't he? And Andrew's initial response to Jesus was, Rabbi, teacher, I want to learn from you. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. But as he spent time with Jesus, here's what his impression changed to. We have found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. Here's God. God's representative on earth. We've found the one that we've been waiting for for thousands of years. Here's the guy. And he couldn't keep it himself. He went out and found Peter. 
Take a look at another example here. Verse 43. In the same, we're in the same town. Uh, in, in verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus go, decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Come, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So Philip probably knew Andrew and Peter. They're all from the same place. And Jesus goes there and he finds, he finds Philip. And he impacts Philip. And how do I know that? Because of what Philip does next. Philip can't keep it to himself. He goes out and he shares it with somebody else right away. He's impacted by who Jesus is. And Philip went out to look for Nathanael, verse 45, and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. Look who I've found. Let me show him to you. Uh, he's the Messiah. Again, the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. The one we've been waiting for. In each one of our examples here, they identify Jesus as the Messiah when they get to know who he really is. And, and so Philip, again, finds Nathaniel, brings him to Jesus because Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. We have to share Jesus with others. And, and so Philip's, Philip's encounter, he decides Jesus is the one they've been waiting for. And Philip takes takes Jesus to Nathaniel. Look at Nathaniel's impression. Nathaniel, uh, Philip continues to identify him, and he says, his name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then we get Nathaniel's impression, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth? <laughs> really? Nazareth? How could anything good come from Nazareth? How could anything good come from this backwater little town as Nazareth, that dirty hole in the wall? Uh, nothing good can really come from there. And, and so that's Nathaniel's impression of Jesus. Is that accurate? Nathaniel doesn't know Jesus yet. Jesus meets Nathaniel, and Jesus begins to tell Nathaniel about things that only God could know, things inside Nathaniel's heart. Things that are about Nathaniel's character. Places that Nathaniel has been. Times when he's been talking and thinking about God. Only God could know and Jesus speaks into his life. And then this is what Nathaniel has to say. Rabbi, you are the son of God. The king of Israel. We've seen a pattern all the way through this passage a consistent pattern of some impressions, but then as someone gets to know Jesus, they really realize who He is. And as they get to know who He is, they're called to follow Him. As they encounter Jesus, they're called to follow Jesus. As they get to know, they follow. Think about John. He realizes that he will decrease and that Jesus will increase. That although he was born before Jesus, Jesus preceded him and that John followed him. John takes his disciples and says, go, go follow Jesus. Go follow Jesus. Andrew goes out and, and, finds, and finds Peter. Follow Jesus. Jesus goes out and finds Philip, and Philip goes get to Nathaniel, and they follow 
Jesus. And we have a consistent pattern here because when you meet Jesus, you're called to follow Jesus. We have that same calling. As we encounter Jesus through this series, Jesus is asking us to follow Jesus. It's the, it's the mission statement of our church to make more and better followers, that we would follow Jesus. And throughout this chapter, when people meet and encounter who Jesus really is, they're called to make a decision. They can either go their own direction or they can follow Jesus. And here, our examples of eyewitnesses realize who Jesus really is. They see him for who he truly is. Beyond the crowd, beyond blending in, they realize he is the Messiah. And they choose to follow him. I don't believe we can truly meet Jesus and walk away unchanged. We have to make a choice. Either we embrace him, we choose to trust him, believe him, follow him, or, or we go our own direction and reject him. But that's an either-or decision. There's really no middle ground there. And we're called to follow Jesus. So we must decide. And in either side of that decision, you don't walk away unchanged. You can't walk away and not be changed by who Jesus is. So as we kind of bring things together to today, I want to think about the examples of these eyewitnesses and just get an idea of what it means to follow Jesus. We have to make a choice. Are we going to follow Jesus? What does that look like? What does that look like? Take a look at what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means getting to know Jesus. In a lot of ways, this is the very first step. I like this interaction between John's disciples and Jesus because Jesus asked them, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying? They just want to be with Jesus. They want to spend time with Jesus. They want to get to know Jesus. Because to, to follow him, we need to get to know him. And his response is, come along. Come along. And I believe the first step to following Jesus is just to accept that invitation. Come. Come. Uh, Jesus wants us to, to know him. To trust in him. To believe him. To know that he came for us. That he died for us, that he put himself in our place so that he could pay our price so that we could be brought back together with God. We couldn't get there on our own. We couldn't bridge the gap. We couldn't walk into God's presence and into his judgment and stand on our own two feet because we're imperfect. But God came for us. Jesus came to this earth to call us to him. And the first step to following is to just Accept the invitation to come. And so John's disciples, they accept. And they go and they hang out with Jesus and they get to know him. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we got to continue to get to know him daily. Because encountering Jesus doesn't have to be a one-time, one-day, one-minute experience. We get to experience that the rest of our lives. That we would daily spend time with him read about him, get to know him, see how he interacted in this life, read about him in the Gospels, get to know God's heart by reading God's word that he's given us, talk to God, getting to know him 
and asking for him to, to speak into our lives, sitting with him, just giving him our time and giving him our focus. May we encounter Jesus and get to know Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, we need to realize that it's going to be less of me and more of him. John examples this, John the baptizer, he examples this this principle is he realized it's got to be less of me and more of Jesus. And as we follow, we realize that what matters most is God's heart, his character, his reputation. And we want to live those out. And we realize that it's, it's less of our desire and it's less of our kingdom and it's less of our gain and it's more of God's gain. And we want to evidence him to the world around us. To follow Jesus means putting Jesus first. These first disciples, what did they do? They had to get up and they had to follow. And that meant leaving what they had in the past behind. Setting that aside. They, they had invested time in John, John the baptizer. They had, they had worked with him. They had reached people with him. They had to step away from, from his ministry and leave it behind and go to Jesus' ministry. The fishermen on the lake had to leave behind. They had to leave behind their occupation, their families, and they had to follow Jesus and they had to realize that they had to put Jesus first. Put God's priority first. Set aside and be willing to set aside everything else and say that Jesus is worth setting aside the past and and drawing into him. We can choose just like these early disciples to dedicate our lives, who we are, all we have, our abilities to Jesus, to his mission, and make that the priority that we would then call disciples. And that's another area of following Jesus, inviting more followers, because Jesus is too good to keep to ourselves. And Jesus has sent us out with his mission and this commission in the end of Matthew to go out and to make more disciples. That we would reach and we would draw in people to Jesus. And so Andrew goes and gets Peter. Philip goes and gets Nathaniel. And they bring followers of Jesus. In this series, we're going to have time to encounter Jesus. And it's not not through a, a religious ritual. It's not going to be through a theological definition. It's going to be by seeing Jesus in real life, his interactions with real people in our world through the eyewitness viewpoint of one of his closest friends, John, through the gospel of John. And as we encounter Jesus, we have a choice to make. When we meet Jesus, we're called to follow Jesus. What's our decision? Are we going to step up and follow him? Each one of us has a next step. And I believe that next step always is one step closer to who Jesus is. One step further in following him. And that's going to look different in every single one of our lives. But we have the choice to respond. Follow the example, the eyewitnesses we've seen. Maybe take our impressions of Jesus and dig into who the real Jesus is and choose to follow to follow him. Our music team is going to come up. They're going to lead us in a final hymn. I have decided 
to follow Jesus. You may know that hymn. It may be new to you. But it's a, it's a, it's a song that designates a choice, a decision. Have you made that decision? It starts by accepting Jesus' invitation to come. To accept and trust in Jesus. Because in Jesus, we get the chance to see who God really is. To see God the Father in this world. To see the image of God's character, His love, His truth, His grace in perfection. And Jesus came for us. And He died in our place. Because of Jesus, we can have forgiveness for for the wrong in our life. We can have the, the entrance to to see God and to know God and to have a relationship with God and to have a future with God and all of that we have in Jesus. It's nothing we can earn. It's nothing we can do ourselves. Have you accepted that invitation to come? To know Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus by devoting your life to him? Maybe if you've accepted Jesus' salvation, you've accepted his forgiveness Have you stepped forward and devoted your life to him? Have you given him all that you are and all that you have, all that you will be? Are you following him in those steps? Are you seeking God's greatness over your own kingdom? Are you you following Jesus and not holding anything back? And sometimes... Sometimes as we walk in this world, we kind of keep a little section of our life and say, well, that's, that's kind of mine. That's my area. I'm not really willing to open that door and allow the light into that room. I don't want God to see that area. But Jesus wants to enter our entire life, speak into who we are, and help us become more like him. Are we holding something back? Have we decided to follow Jesus? Are we daily encountering Jesus Spending time with him, talking with him, becoming closer to him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as our music team sings this morning and as we, as we respond in this, this time, God, help us to make the next decision in our step to follow you. Lord, if if there's someone here today that's never accepted your invitation to come, God, help them right now say, I believe that you are God, that you love me, that you sent Jesus for me, and that you're offering forgiveness and I want to accept that forgiveness and I want to accept a relationship with you and I want to know you today and I want to live with you forever. God, thank you for saving me and forgiving me. God, if we need to take that step, just just touch that life this morning. God, if we need to take this step to to follow you and and dedicate our life to you. May you help us know the next step in our journey because we want to follow you. And as we sing this song, may our decision, may our heart, may may our prayer to you be, I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen.